Good morning, everybody. It is great to be with you. And uh, man, if you uh, just being here is a big deal on a day like this, you know, when uh, when the weather's. I've watched a lot of you come in soaking wet. Um, ladies, don't worry about your hair, man. It's all good. All right. Uh, I saw some crazy hairdos on the way in, so uh, it, it is great to be with you guys. Um, I have uh, we we got more shirts, and we're really excited about this. We ran out of our new logo shirts, um, so I've got a large here. Anybody, Ron? I don't think, I don't know if that'll, so yeah, give it away. Um, we've got plenty back there. Christy and some ladies will, will get you uh, set as far as sizes. Um, but uh, we want to make sure everybody has one has one uh, so that you'll uh, wear it when you're out and about. It actually fits into what we're talking about today as we scatter from this place. Um, we want to make not just OCC, but the name of Jesus famous. So, so the most important thing on that shirt is what's on the back, which says our mission, helping everyone find and follow Jesus. Nice and big there. So wear those out, start conversations, and uh, grab up as many as you you can wear. And don't get one like for each day. You know, wash it, um, but uh, give some away, all right? Uh, w- one other thing, too, uh, before we dive into the message, it's actually related in a sense. Um, we're talking about the gathered and scattered church today um, and, and the family. Uh, we're a family here. We'll, we'll define that a little bit more later, but um, sometimes uh, uh, we, we kind of take care of some family business, if you will, on Sunday morning. So if you're new, just hang with us. This is actually helpful information for you just to know who we are a little bit more. But around this time every year, once a year, we present um, any new or returning elders to our team for affirmation. And uh, that requires us to give you notice of that and then the following week to, to make an affirmation. And so uh, it, just a, a little bit of backstory on that. Our elders are nominated by you. They're vetted out by our current team through a mentoring process. They spend a year. So if somebody's nominated through application and we spend some time with them and then they'll spend a year mentoring and studying and growing together. Um, and then ultimately if the elders uh, affirm them, we'll bring them to you for that, that final affirmation. Uh, then once uh, an elder comes on the team, they can spend three years to a maximum of six on the team before they're required to roll off. So they can either roll off after three years or after six they're re- required to. Just take a time of sabbatical, a time of rest. And then if they want to come back on, they are required to be affirmed again. And that's where we are with one of our guys, Dennis Pitter, uh, is rolling back on. In fact, Dennis, you're right there. It's good to see you, buddy. Uh, Dennis is a longtime servant of this church, and he'll be uh, before you next week to be affirmed to come back onto our team. So we just want to make you aware of that. Pray for Dennis and Marion as they make a serious commitment. Um, our elders are, are so committed, and it's a big-time commitment. Need your prayer over them as they step into that overseeing, shepherding role for our church, okay? So uh, next week, we'll give you an opportunity to affirm them. So yeah, today we're talking about uh, the gathered and scattered church uh, as we continue in our series. And I grew up in a home like a lot of you, I suppose, with a family dinner table. You know what I'm talking about? Maybe in the kitchen or in the dining room, depending on how your house is set up. And as far back as I can remember, we had the same table that we gathered around. And, uh, man, we would, of course, have meals, but much more than that conversation, um, time together. Uh, and it was so, so important. Growing up, you don't get it, but as you have your own kids and, and move into later seasons of your life, you realize how special that was. And, and when mom and dad decided to uh, start the downsizing phase, which I'm grateful they did before they got sold, that we had to do it for them, um, they, they started downsizing and saying, here's all your stuff, you know, we're tired of keeping it for you. Um, 
as well as just getting things a little bit smaller for the patio home, one of the things they decided to uh, get rid of was that, that family table. And, and so Chris and I said, we'll take it. You know, we wanted to carry on that, that tradition with that actual table. And so we inherited that table and, and it's in place now. And we've had our kids around that table and friends and family gather. Um, and we love to carry on that tradition. Now, you guys know, man, this is harder than ever in our society to get everybody together, um, to s- spend time and commit that time. We're on the go so uh, much. And and so for us uh, and for Christy, it was important as often as we could uh, to do that and to gather around the table. Now, uh, when I was growing up, um, uh, our, uh, I have an older brother, younger sister, uh, and then dad, he was like one of the kids more than he was, you know, an adult, especially at the table. We were just ornery kids. All right. Uh, believe it or not, this guy right here could just be flat out ornery and not have the best table manners. And me and my brother and sister, we would get into those moments. So the best I can analogy I can give you, if you're familiar with, uh, Christmas vacation, you know, the gathering around the table there or, or, uh, the movie, um, uh, nutty professor and the clump family then you kind of know what, I, that's our family, all right? Just kind of a mess and, and uh, you know, not the best manners. And, and it all kind of came to a boiling point. I, you know, I was probably in middle school, I don't know, and, and mom's like, I'm out. I'm moving to the hotel. You know, there was one hotel in Scottsburg called the Marianne. I'm going to the Marianne. Um, you guys are on your own. I thought she was gone, uh, you know, and, but she, she stuck it out. She stayed and, uh, kind of conformed, I guess, <laughs> to the rest of it. She tried her best, doggone it, to, to shape us. And, and she did an awesome job. We just weren't, weren't the best kids sometimes around that table. So that, that family table, man, uh, just a lot of special memories, uh, a lot of messes, a lot of, a uh, lot of victories, a lot of good times there. And, and, uh, that's just sort of the context for today. Now, now rumor has it that I just turned 50. I'm still in denial. Um, but apparently two weeks ago I had a birthday and, uh, yeah, um, <laughs> no, don't acknowledge it. I don't want, yeah. Uh, so, um, Christy was like, what do you want to do? And, and I said, you know, Downsize, you know, keep it simple. I'm not interested in a big crazy thing. And, and, uh, the most important thing to me, I told her was uh, the thing that would mean the most for my 50th, um, was we just get the family together, immediate family, my brother and his family, sister and mom, dad. We could just all come to our place. We're probably not going to all fit around that actual table, but, uh, metaphorically, we gathered around the table on my 50th and it was perfect. You know, um, at, at this season of life, that's what mattered the most to me. And I got that and it was special. And, uh, you guys know what I'm, what I'm talking about. So again, that's, that's the context for us. family, um, and gathering as a family, but then also going out scattering as, as a family as, as much as we want to sometimes linger in that space, it's not forever and it's not intended uh, to be forever. We're going through that scattering stage with our immediate family as Madison's grown up now, Braden's in his sophomore year of college. And, and so that's exciting and encouraging and necessary uh, to do. All right. So um, in this series today, if you're just joining us, we're in week three of a series called And, and we're, we're exploring the power of that, that word and, and trying to push back against a cultural, societal uh, frame of mind that says it's got to be either or, this false dichotomy of everything's got to be one side or the other. And, and while there is absolutely a space for that, for instance, as far as I know, uh, you pull up to the stoplight and it's red, that means stop. 
<laughs> I don't think that's a, it's a stop and go, it's stop. Or if it's green, it means go. Uh, you know, now I keep saying in my cynical days that at some point we're on the path to it's whatever you want it to be. If it's red, then you go right ahead. If red means go for you. Um, we know what will happen at that point. A lot of chaos or a lot more chaos. Um, or what about, you know, two plus two? As far as I know, that's still four, right? Um, but I'm not sure for how much longer. It may be five someday. Um, but that's kind of that either or. It's either right or it's wrong. You know, there's no space or, for, for debate there. Uh, or, or like uh, the cards and the cats. Cats had a good night last night. What do you say? You know? Yeah? All right. We got some believers. Um, so I was... Uh, um, I was most of my life either or. It was, it was not anywhere close, both hands. It was cards or cats. And, uh, as you know, my son's in a sophomore year at UofL. UofL has been very good to us, uh, through scholarships and finances and, and allowing him to go there. And so I felt it was right to join the card wagon to a degree. I've got a shirt. I've got a, you know, a hat and now it's both hands, you know, believe it or not. Some of you are like, yeah, it's about time. But, uh, if you're hardcore, it's like, there's no way you can't be cats fan and a cards fan. And, and uh, unless they're playing each other, I'm, I'm there. It's like, I'll root on those cards. I, I hated it for them. That tough loss yesterday. But yeah, I was, man, it was a good night last night, brother. I'm telling you, it was a good night. Woo, man. Um, if you saw my post, uh, I'm, I'm the pit boss now. I'm the, like a boss, you know, I put a post up, but I got a new grill, uh, for my birthday. That was the one thing I did acknowledge with my birthday. I got a new grill. It's the pellet grill. Anybody? Yeah, it's the only way now. All right. Uh, forget this gas and charcoal stuff, pellet grills. And, uh, uh so man, it was just beautiful. I had Braden over my wildcat buddy, his girlfriend, me and Christy, and we cooked just, we smoked just about everything you could on that grill. And, uh, you know, I said that first service, like now nah, I had to preface that we, it was all legal. You know, we, sm- I said, we smoked everything and, and I was like, no, on the grill, you know, uh, ribs, chicken, uh, all that good corn on the cob, man. It was, it was a great night. Um, and just again, reinforced to me how sweet, how sweet it is uh, to be together uh, with people you love, um, the encouragement that comes from that, um, the time that that you spend, but it doesn't last uh, forever. So um, before we talk about the gathered church family and ultimately the scattered church family, let's just focus in for a minute and calibrate our understanding of the church, just in case We've got it a little sideways, all right? So we're gonna go to uh, First Peter. Now, we told you a few weeks ago, we've got Bibles in the seat backs. Those are to use, to open, or even better, to give away to somebody who doesn't have a Bible. So if you're here today and you don't have a Bible, that is now your Bible. If you know somebody who doesn't have a Bible, take it and give it to them, all right? Um, or version is awesome online, or, uh, and we're gonna have it here on the screen. So plenty of opportunity to dive into the scripture today. First Peter chapter one, let's go there. Starting in verse 22, it says, now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all people are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word, the word of the Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. So, not some message, 
Not today's sermon. Not somebody's idea. Not somebody's great philosophy. Not somebody's expertise. But the word. And here the word being Jesus. The word incarnate. The word become flesh and blood. But this word, Jesus, that was preached and that's become born again in you. So, chapter 2. Therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. So the goal of the word is yes, lead us to salvation through Christ, through his grace alone, through his blood, his atonement, we are saved. But also... The goal of the word is to bring us the gospel that continues to nourish us in that salvation so that we can grow up into the fullness of salvation that God has brought into our lives. Moving on. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him. Here it is. You also like living stones. Living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood. Offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. So salvation we see right away is not an individual sport. It's not just about you. It's a collective event. So when I am saved and I get into the word and start growing up in my salvation, I realize that there's other people being saved. There's other people growing up into the word. And all of us together, like living stones, are being built into a house for God. The church is living stones. The church is living stones, not bricks and mortar. You've heard that, but let me reinforce it. The church is living stones, not brick and mortar. And this is a house that God is building with those living stones. And in this house is a family, which is people. So Oklahoma Christian Church is you, and you, and you, and me, and all of us together. If you consider yourself to be a part of this family, then you're born again. You're in the word and growing in your salvation. You're looking around and you're seeing that there are others among you, other people growing in their salvation. God is, is linking us together. So you are us and we are a family made up of living stones. I love family. Family is everything. So let's sum it up. The church The church is people brought to life, living stones through Christ and knit together into a living family for his glory. That's the church. People brought to life, living stones through Christ, knit into a loving family. So if that's the church, what's the church do? Well, in simple terms, we gather to worship and we scatter to serve. It's about as simple as we can make it. We gather to worship and we scatter to serve. So let's talk about this gathering, um, this thing we are doing right now and in different ways. What's that look like? Since I was six months old or somewhere in that age where mom felt comfortable bringing me to church for the first time and sticking me in the nursery. And you know, moms, you know that whole grueling process of bringing your newborn for the first time and how's it going to go? Don't want to be a distraction, but you know, want, want them to be here. I had parents who valued 
coming to the gathering and right away made sure I was there with them. And so I can remember as far back as my memory will take me being with the gathering, with the church, with the family on Sunday morning to the point that today, you know, if I'm not in church on Sunday morning, even specifically, it just does not feel right. Something's missing. A lot of you know what I'm talking about. If you grew up in the church, it's just such a rhythm of your life and you know it and you need it and you want it. So if I ask you the question, why does the church gather? You know, as a kid, you just do it because mom and dad bring you. That's what you do. And, and there's a point though where you decide, I'm going to do that. I'm going to keep going or you decide not to or somewhere in between. But why? What's, what's the purpose of this gathering? And if I asked you that each individually, we know we would get a whole plethora of answers, which would all be good and hopefully motivated in the right direction. And, and, and so that's important for us to consider ourselves. But let's look at scripture. That's obviously our, our source um, for this, the answer to this question. So we're going to go to Acts 2. All right. This is where um, we get our glimpse, our, our, our look into the early church. The book of Acts is all about the early church and what they did, the precedents they set. How it all started. Such a beautiful book for the church. And in Acts 2, it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give it to anyone who had need. Every day they continued to meet together together. In the temple courts, they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So to sum that up, there was teaching, there was fellowship, breaking bread, prayer, giving, praising, and renewing. That's the essence of the early church gathering and what we want to be the essence of this gathering. These are the essentials that we have to make sure we preserve and major in as we gather. And while there are plenty of other things that we could add to that list, these are the ones we've got to make sure happen. So if we sum it up even more, narrow it down to this is preacher, preacher style, you got to have three E's or, you know, so exalt God, edify one another and equip one another. That's really it, okay? We gather to exalt, we gather to edify, and we gather to equip one another to be the church in your sphere of influence. And so we're going to work through these, and those are not in random order, okay? It is essential we understand the order of those, starting with exalting God. We are here first and foremost to exalt God and give him the glory that he deserves. To exalt him and bless him with our praise and adoration. Here it is. Our first priority is not you. Ouch, right? But it isn't. But we act like it is and it should be, right? That's just how we human beings tend to act. It just so easily flips inward. But our first priority is to exalt him, not you. To worship him, not you or I. If we're approaching the gathering with anything, with anything but awe, anything but wonder for who God is and how you might be able to thank him for his grace and thank him for his mercy in your life, then you're gonna miss the power and possibility of the gathering and instead be sucked into a lie that is somehow about you and your comfort rather than him and his honor. So this approach, entering the gathering um, with the expectation 
The anticipation of awe and wonder means we must be participants, not spectators. If you want to experience the power and presence of God, you got to participate um, and not spectate. So come to the gathering in this frame of mind. Let, let this be your thoughts, your be, be your words. Come to the gathering saying, I came primarily to bring something. I came pri- primarily to bring something. I didn't come primarily to get something. And if you do that, you're going to encounter this power. You're going to encounter this possibility. You'll get lost in the wonder of, and awe of God. And, and your conversation at lunch won't be as much about what you liked or didn't like about the service. We've all done it. Your conversation won't be about that anymore. Won't be about the music or the sermon as much as it'll be about how good God is and how you can't wait to tell somebody else about how good God is. Then you've had church, all right? So when you walk out or you get out with your friends and you're like, I didn't get anything out of that, where do you start? Start here, start here. Um, and you'll find that maybe, maybe the priorities are in the wrong place. Now, if we get that part right, if we do well with this and we strive towards this open-handed God, I'm bringing, not, I'm coming to bring, not coming to get, then it unlocks this opportunity to edify. It's not either or, it's and. We exalt and out of our exaltation, edification starts to happen. And God should be glorified and you, I mean, we should be stronger as a result of this gathering. Colossians 3.16. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I love this passage because it's the both end of, of worship. As we glorify God, as we exalt God, as we sing truths about him, look, the songs we sing are wrapped in theology. They are wrapped in truth. We sing scripture. We sing about scripture. We sing about God. And so as we're doing that, we are admonishing, encouraging each other. And that's a beautiful thing. So when we preach, when we fellowship, when we break bread, when we worship, when we sing, we are building each other up. And we need that. We need to know that we're in this together and others are walking with us and challenging us. And encouraging us. There's not a place for anonymity. There's a place for family. And so as we worship and glorify God, he edifies us. And then we ultimately want to equip you to be the church on the move. Not just a church that's puffed up. Not just a church that feels better about themselves or is encouraged or knows more about God, but a, a church that is on the move expressing those things that we have come to know, manifesting those things in our life and in our community. Ephesians four eleven through 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we exalt, we edify and equip so that we can be on mission, so that we can scatter. So the church, the church is not a gathering in which we settle into. If we apply that passage, we just Read Nowhere in that passage indicates complacency, finality, members-only club, resort, comfort, 
<laughs> my preference is met, I feel good, you know, that's my kind of church. They, they say what I like, like them to say. I mean, look, we all have a lot of things we wish the preacher would say from the platform or not say. Uh, and we get caught up in, in that more than we get caught up in the glory and majesty of God. So the gathered church is the gathering you settle into. The gathered church, yes, is a hospital. That's one of the ways we describe the church. It's a place for healing, deliverance, spiritually sick. <laughs> That's, they've got to come. The spiritually sick have got to come to find healing and restoration, a worship service, a meal, a fellowship. But here's what I think Jesus really had in mind. When he said to Peter, he said, Peter, I'm going to build my church on this rock. And on this rock, the gates of hell will not prevail against it. That sounds like a church on the move. I I think the kind of church Jesus is building is a gathered church that's on the move, a gathered church that is sent on mission, a church that can't wait to be together, but is even more anxious to scatter and tell the world about the saving grace of Jesus. It's like, you're, you're sitting here right now thinking, I love this place, I love gathering, but I can't wait to get back out and tell somebody about who I gathered with and and worship today, uh, the people of God and his presence. Our worship in this kind of church, it, it can't be contained within the gathering or the walls of the building. It doesn't stop when we leave, but it overflows into our daily life. The church gets uncomfortable. The church gets uncomfortable more when they spend time in the building, in our huddles, than time away in the world being a shining light, a bright light in the darkness. This church gets impatient when they're spending more time thinking about trivial matters, and believe me, there are a lot of those. We get impatient when we start thinking about and spending time on those instead of what matters most, helping more people find and follow Jesus and doing whatever it takes to to get that done. Uh, Where do we spend our time? What gets us excited? So we gather to worship and we scatter to serve. Let's go back to our text in 1 Peter now in chapter 2, verse 9. It says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. Dear friends, I urge you as foreigners and exiles to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans, among the pagans, not away from the pagans, among the pagans, that makes us uncomfortable. Live such good lives among the pagans, though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. As a chosen people, a called out People, the ecclesia, the church, when we scatter, number one, we reframe the sphere we scatter to by the splendor we've encountered in the great assembly, the gathering. Man, I, this is, there's so much there. It comes full circle. It's like, we got to do this so that we can do that. And if this impacts us the way it should, when we participate, then we begin to be the influencers, not the influence. Wherever you are going, it gets reshaped by where you've been. And if church doesn't do that for you, you got the wrong church. That's stepping on my toes and our toes. 
If our gathering does not send us inspired, more in awe and wonder of who God is that transforms those we come in contact with, we have not been in church. And we need to fix that. This gathering should be filled with the glory of God. And we should be overwhelmed in utter shock and awe of the bigness and majesty of God. And it's so obvious that we have seen that when we walk out of this place. That was, a, that was a great win for the cats last night, if I may go back. <laughs> and, uh, but I'm thinking about this moment right here in the message as I'm watching that, as I'm celebrating, as I'm watching 60,000 crazy people go nuts. And I'm like, that doesn't hold a candle to the presence and power of our God. Does, does anybody believe that? That that, that doesn't hold? A hundred thousand people gather in Michigan State and watch the Michigan Wolverines every week. And we got folks who are like, ah, it's raining today. I'm still nervous about COVID. I get it. All right. But if we can fill, uh, you know, I've, I've been encouraged, honestly, to see our football stadiums fill back up just because it gives us Kind of a, well, okay, if they can do that, you know. Now this, I'm getting off on a soapbox, but um, doggone it, you know. If we can fill football stadiums, why can't we fill the church? Uh, and so we, we just got to get, get that right. Number two, when we scatter, we carry the hope that we have inhaled, that we have breathed in, in the assembly into the conversations we'll have on Wednesday. God breathes in us in our worship. That is such an amazing thing to consider that, that when we gather, we're breathing in the power and the possibility and the presence of God. But if you ever tried to hold your breath, you know, uh, you gotta let it out. And when there's something in us like the power of prayer, we can't contain that. And so when we scatter, we speak into the despair and hopelessness of lives and circumstances. We speak into that with the hope we've encountered here. So again, consider what you're speaking into and what are the nature of your words? Is there power and presence in your words and hope in your words that are being breathed out based on your experience in the gathering? Number three. When we scatter, we give God our best in our work. Colossians 3 says, whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord, not for human masters. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. The main way, and we do a lot of things, but I think the main way we're gonna affect this community, this city, this region tomorrow is by having the best workers in our city tomorrow. The most time you're going to spend, here's just for most of you, this is a general statement. Between now and next Sunday, the most time you're going to spend kind of in one place, one sphere of influence is in your workplace. This is kind of how it is. Um, and in that place, at your job, you have the opportunity to be great. You have the opportunity to act great, to serve great. And as you do that, the church is alive in this region, in this city. And let, let me remind you, um, this, is, this is the 
I think every preacher, every sermon has that, maybe that, that moment or maybe multiple where this is either, you're either going to love it or hate it. You're going to be offended or you're not. And the, you know, one email will be way to go. That was a good, uh, you know, appreciate you saying that. I mean, well, you, what are you talking about? So here we go. Um, l- let me remind you, we're created to work. Read Genesis one. Okay. This isn't my idea. This is God's idea. He created us to contribute to this world. He made us stewards over it all. And we were created to work and contribute to our society. And I get it, man. I, well, look, I, honestly, I don't. Um, but I know things are hard and difficult. But if you're on an extended vacation, extended vacation because the pay is better, get a job. So fulfill your purpose by working. Contribute in a positive way to our society. Be the best workers in our city. Go about it with everything you got. Be the best and pull your boss's mind. Create intrigue among your coworkers. And at the end of the day, you're gonna have a platform. I promise you, you'll have a platform to say why. Why is it? Why is it that you show up early? I mean, does it blow your mind that, that we gotta pay people just to show up? Like, like a bonus if you'll show up, seriously? Show up, show up early. <laughs> and then maybe stay late. Uh, why is it that you do what you say you're gonna do? You actually did what you said you would do. No, why, why is it that you produce with excellence and precision at your workstation or the product that, that you're making? Why, why don't you cut corners like the rest of it? Why, why don't you look for loopholes in the system or ways to get by with the absolute minimum amount of output? That is our world. What's the absolute minimum I've got to do with a maximum return? That is not God's idea uh, here in this passage. Why, why is it you're so courteous and poised and, and respectful? Those are questions I hope people will ask about us in our workplaces. And, and we, we do this, we, we do those things, not for that raise or the, the pat on the back. You, you do that because you're serving the great King Jesus. It's that simple. We, we do that because we are working for, for the Lord and we're, we're representing him, we're representing this church, this body. You're representing yourself as a Christ follower. And because of that, that gathering that you were just in a few days, it compels you to do that. It emboldens you to do that. Because you're a living stone. We're living stones that are part of a family who are called out on mission. So let's work that way. Next, when we scatter, we see divine appointments, not random chance encounters. When we live like Jesus calls us to live, when we work like it, every day God puts somebody in front of us or us into a circumstance that, that is not accidental. And so are we ready to engage with the cashier at the store, the server at the restaurant, uh, the person next to you on the plane or in the waiting area? The neighbor at the park. Uh, look, I was, uh, I live in a neighborhood that is, uh, wound up pretty tight when it comes to taking care of our neighborhood, which I appreciate. Um, you know, keeping things clean, swept, uh, keeping the dog poo cleaned up. All right. A lot of dog owners in our neighborhood. Everybody walks their dog. And, um, you know, you, they got the baggies, the bag stations everywhere. And you, you gotta make sure you fill those, keep those, uh, you know, in your little, little walker thing. And, and so I'm walking Zoe as I do, uh, every day doing her thing. And we're walking down the sidewalk and little dog, fortunately. So little stuff, that's just all I'm going to say. I appreciate that about a little dog. And, um, I didn't check the, uh, the, the little, 
holder on the, on the leash to make sure there were some bags in there. And uh, we get to, you know, she decides, you know, where she's going to go. You, you know what I'm talking about? Uh, it, it's, it's like, how did we get here? You know, this, I'm, I'm following this dog around picking its stuff up. That's just mind-blowing to me. But she decides when it's time, and when it's time, she does what she's going to do. And she found the perfect spot, I guess, and after a lot of sniffing. And, and she does her thing, and, and I'm like, oh, I don't have any bag. And right as I realize, I hear a voice behind me saying, are you going to pick that up? <laughs> and, I was like, whoa, you know, oh, I turned around his lady on her, on her porch who I guess had, had deputized herself as the poop police. And, uh, uh, so, so she's like, you gonna pick that up, you know, just, she's on her phone and just, uh, and I'm like, oh, I, I, you know, don't have any bags in the thing. She said, well, there's some right around the corner. You can go get some. And I was like, okay. You know? And so I went tell tuck, man. And I got the, got some bags refilled, went back and picked it up. And said, thank you very much, and on my way. Now, man, every bit of me was wanting to just come back at her like, do you have anything better to do with your life than to, you know, tell me to, but, but I, I tried to do the right thing. That's, you know, simple. Uh, thank you very much. Yeah. Uh, um, I'll never forget a bag again, man. It's like, that scarred me. Uh, stupid, simple analogy, but, but is kind of the reality of our day to day. We just find ourselves in circumstances where it's a choice at that point. How are we going to act? What are we going to do? Um, and, uh, take the high road, you know, that's always, always better. All right. Last thing. Uh, when we scatter, when we scatter, we are praying about everything. We are praying about everything. When we walk out of this place, Y'all, we better be praying about what we're getting ready to walk into. And and if we're not, we're ridding ourselves, we're emptying ourselves of the power and possibility of of God. But but here's what we do. All right, and this is me being kind of skeptical or on my soapbox again, sorry. Um, But but it's just, we see so much of this. And and it's social media and it's like real-time gossip. We're gonna go out of here and gossip. We're gonna go ahead and talk about everybody. We'll veil it maybe in spiritual conversation or veil it in concern, but honestly, it's just a bunch of gossip about what we heard about so-and-so. Somebody's kid who did something that wasn't favorable. Somebody's marriage that's on the rocks. Somebody who lost their job and we'll chat it up about them and nobody will pray for them. And it's time that we stop talking about each other to each other and praying for each other, all right? Matthew 18, read it, study it, get used to it, because we do a terrible job with it, church, all right? And we've gotta get better with that. If somebody sins against you, go to that person. Stop talking to other people about it. If somebody has a, an issue in their life, go pray for them, and then here's, here's the real important thing. When you pray for them, be ready to be the answer to that prayer, all right? Uh, let, let's look at James Two. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or a sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. We have got to pray but then we've got to move and be ready to move. Otherwise, don't ask God for answer prayer if you're not ready to be the answer to that prayer. 
So, brothers, sisters, family, we must gather. We must strengthen and embolden our faith in the assembly. Here's the review. By encountering the transformative presence of God. And it is just that. The transformative presence of our great God. Teaching and admonishing one another with songs, hymns, and spiritual songs. Breaking bread and fellowshipping together. Bringing our first fruits of time, of talent, and treasure. So that, this is the end. So that when we scatter, we are reframing the sphere. We are influencing the sphere we scatter to by the splendor we've encountered in the great assembly, the gathering. Everything we do here will influence what we do out there. Carrying the hope that we have inhaled in the assembly when we've had the privilege to breathe it in and God breathe into us and we breathe it out and we breathe life into our world. Giving God our best in our work. Let's be the best workers in this city, y'all. Let's, let's just be the best. Let's not be known for our complaining or for our halfway efforts. Let's be known for the best workers in the city. Praying about everything. Praying about everything. Let's do that. Let's pray. God, you are so good. You are so worthy. I pray right now we're just we're taken back by you. The fact that the creator of the universe who holds it all in the palm of his hand, who knows every hair, the number of heads on every head, that you want a relationship with me, with us. You want to use this body, this church, this family for something amazing. This is beyond what we can do individually, beyond what we can even do collectively on our own power, but what you can do immeasurably more of when we align with you and when we worship you first and give you our first fruits, our best here and there. And when we are obedient and ready for action as you call us out. We are grateful. Help our gratefulness move us to action. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together. Oklahoma Christian Church, family, you guys, every one of us, may we be, may we be a a multi-generational gathering, all right? A gathering of young, a gathering of old, everywhere in between, a family who raises the roof. We raise the roof with the sound and the expressions of our worship and the proclamation of God's word. And we can't wait to go into our neighborhoods and workplaces and schools sharing the grace, truth, and hope of Jesus. And so, so for the cause of Christ, may we gather and celebrate and fill up and be encouraged and grow and study and fellowship and worship and for the cause of Christ and for the cause of Christ. May we go and show and go and tell, not scream and yell, but, but go and tell and, and be hope bringers and, and life givers confronting the very gates of hell with the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you guys.